let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Project Egg Show, where you can come and get inspired by entrepreneurs who are literally changing the world. Now, today, we have the honor of speaking with Tyler. McBroom, CPA, MBA, who is a tax professional and loves to help his clients keep as much money as possible from Uncle Sam while they grow their businesses. And if you have a business, then you know how important that is. And if you don't have a business, you still know how important keeping that money is. As a managing partner at Measured Results, CPAs, he works with hundreds of business owners to increase their cash flow by thousands of dollars per year through proactive tax planning strategies, getting their books on autopilot and making their businesses more profitable. His firm was recently named an Intuit Firm of the Future for medium and large firms. In addition, Tyler has done some amazing things and has some incredible accolades that I could not possibly cover in this brief introduction. So without any further ado, Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have a good conversation here. Absolutely. The pleasure's mine. So let's jump right in. First question for you is, what is your story? Uh, so my story is I am, as you mentioned, the intro uh, CPA, uh, work with business owners on their taxes and accounting, came up with that uh, through it's the family business. So my father actually started uh, his first firm when I was three months old. So kind of grew up hearing taxes. And when we go on ski trips, it was with clients who were also friends. And so I kind of started hearing about ninja tax tricks, if you will, ever since I was a, a little one. And then like probably many people do, tried to steer away as far as possible from the industry. Actually got my undergrad degree in creative writing, which is about as opposite from accounting as you can get. Uh, and then realized that, you know, it wasn't such a bad career, was tired of being broke. And so went back to grad school, got my, my master's and then all the accounting units needed, went and worked for a couple other companies, a couple other firms, and then found my way into being able to partner up with my father, which has been an amazing experience. And then uh, over the last couple of years, we've just been growing like crazy and, and uh, in, on a, 
lightning growth mode, which has been awesome and really trying to develop and help people by sharing tax tips on social media and YouTube and, and, uh, educating people as we grow. Uh, and so that's been really rewarding in addition to, you know, of course, turning into lots of clients, which has been good too. So I have to ask, why did you not want to go into the business? Like what was, what repelled you so much when you were younger? You know, I've, I've always had kind of been, been a big dreamer. Uh, you can see I've got Walt Disney on the wall behind me. Uh, and so really wanted to go into the creative arts and try to, you know, I wrote a young adult novel when I was in college and was wanting to get into kind of that area, you know, film and all that fun stuff. And frankly, just thought that putting numbers in, in a box and staring at a computer screen for a living didn't sound that exciting. Uh, and it turns out that's, you only have to do that for a couple of years as an accountant. And then it's, you're just talking to people nonstop. And that's most of my job is talking to people all day long. And so, um, so it was a combination of my kind of dreamer personality with my false perceptions of what my dad actually did. And so. it's interesting that you talk about being a dreamer and having, having that sort of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I want to drill down into that. Like, what does that actually mean? Where did that actually come from? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I like a lot of, you know, millennial age people are, which I'm on the elder side of that, but we're told, you know, we could do whatever we want. And, and so that tr- translates into wanting to do the cool things, which is, you know, you, I don't know. I've always had kind of this perception that I would, revolutionize something. And, uh, and so for me, I found a lot of joy in writing and doing the creative writing stuff. And, and when I was in my GE college classes, I would be sketching ideas for stories and books. And so, um, I just kind of went and wanted to pursue that path and, and give it a go. And then, um, so then I realized I could do that on the side and actually earn a living doing something else. So, um, yeah, so I think it's just a, a combination of wanting to be, yeah, I, I be in the spotlight, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. And then also just the way my brain works is in the more, even on the tax side, more creative tax strategies and all that stuff. And so just always trying to do something different, be different, I guess. When you talked about wanting to revolutionize something. Yeah. Why was that important to you? And, and, and I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm really, really interested in that. Like, why? Yeah, uh, well, to give some insight into, I guess, how to my, my personality and, and uh, on that, we, when I went to grad school, as part of our orientation, we took the Clifton Strengths Finder test. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they went through each of the different strengths and had everyone raise their hand if they were, were, this, were a particular strength. One of the strengths is significance or one of my, and that was one of my strengths, uh, meaning you, like you want to do things, not just that you want accolades, but that you want to do things that are significant that leave a mark on the world. And they asked to raise your hand if you had that. And I was the only one that raised my hand. And that made me super stoked because I was the only one who had significance. So I think that's just how my brain functions. And, and so when I was, I played water polo in high school. When I went and coached uh, as a college job, I tried to kind of 
changed the way that we ran that you ran plays com- compared to like the normal way that you do on a water polo team just to mix it up and be different and interesting and so kind of every time i got into something it was trying to be different and interesting and and now i'm and i think i'm actually living that out pretty well with being a CPA who has 50,000 followers on Instagram talking about taxes. Uh, and I have people DM me that all the time that I'm the only one that they say, you know, I've never, never seen anyone else out there doing this. This is awesome. And so, so I kind of found my Avenue and the, the path of creative writer turned accountant has most of my job is talking to people and then also writing, frankly, I'm doing a lot of writing, whether it's, in email form or social media posts, content, and being able to write and communicate my message that end up serving me really well as an accountant, uh, even though it was a creative writing degree. So. I love the word significance. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my grandpa uh, on my dad's side, judge Saul Gothard, he was a judge for 33 years in, in the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And he always used to say, because he started off as a social worker, then he went to law school and I, and eventually became a lawyer, judge, and a juvenile court judge, and then into the court of appeal. He always used to tell me, because he studied Freud a lot, that there were, I believe, four things that Freud said were necessary for, for human beings, like to work, to play, to love, and to create. I think with the four, maybe there's five, but he, all, he always said, and I wanted to add another one, either a fifth or a sixth one. He said, I think every human being needs to be of genuine significance to another person. And he's always, he's always tried to live his life that way. And, um, you know, it it made me think of that when you're, when you're talking about Mm -hmm. significance. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's super important. I think is, um, Tony Robbins talks about the six human needs, uh, and one of them is is to be recognized in recogn- recognition, and that comes from that significance and connection. And, and uh, so, yeah, I guess that's higher on the spectrum for me. But really what it comes down to is it's not so much that I, like I kind of hinted at earlier, that I want the acknowledgement. It's just that I want to do something so amazing that impacts so many people that it's cause for that significance. So... Uh, actually to continue the Walt Disney thing uh, along the lines of kind of digging into how my brain works with that stuff. When Walt passed away, the, the cover of the newspaper the next day was a, was a globe with Mickey ears on it. And Mickey globe was crying because the world was shedding tears for Walt passing because he had such an impact. And, uh, and so that was always kind of my benchmark. So when you were making the transition from doing the creative writing and being in that zone or that area of your life into um, becoming a CPA and, and moving into your, your niche, your, your industry, how did you make sure to bring that creativity with you? Like, how did you actually figure out how to stand out, how to be creative, how to apply the things that you love to this, this industry that you're now shaking up. Yeah. For, uh, for me, it, 
it was it, through the social media outlets uh, in that allowed me to keep that creativity. Frankly, for the first couple of years when I was going through those, the kind of the, the grinding years of, of just doing the plugging and chugging, putting numbers in a box when I was working for someone else, those were challenging years for me because it's just so naturally against my personality. Um, so I think I found my outlets through like cooking and reading, reading fun books on the side. And, uh, and then once I came in and started and partnered with, with my dad at measured results, then we got, I, I got more free reign to say, this is how I want to do it. And so I started putting some videos on, on, uh, Facebook and, 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 and actually, um, now I'm thinking about it. So even before I was doing tax tips on, I started a, uh, a country music and beer reviews YouTube page called honky talk. And, uh, I would just talk about country music and, and I've actually done a few posts on this of how important it is just to start because even though that led nowhere and it was just kind of this fun little goofy thing, it, I was practiced in front of the camera so that when real money was on the line and I was actually, I wanted to use it for business purposes. Most people, uh, I don't know if, I mean, you interview a lot of people, but uh, I don't know if your experience with it is the same as me when we try to bring in uh, clients to give testimonials, but people freak out in front of the video camera. Like it's amazing psychologically what it does to people. Uh, and they'll be the most outgoing person talking with you in a room, but then you turn that camera on and they, they freeze. And so I got all that out of the way on a country music video instead of on, you know, on my tax tips. And so, uh, so I, I was always doing something related to that, you know, getting in front of the camera or writing something or creating, you know, it's, it's always was and going to be there in my life in some form. Now it's just, I've found the way to marry the tax accounting stuff with the creative, which is really rewarding. How do you want to revolutionize the world of taxes? Well, partially it's, I mean, everything that I share on, on Instagram, primarily Instagram right now, but also YouTube and everything is all tax knowledge that previously you'd have to go pay a CPA for to sit down with, to get those, that kind of information. And I'm putting it out there for free every day of the year, like literally every day we're, we're sharing something. And so I've had people comment on on it that like they never had access to this knowledge before and this is amazing because now i you know they've started their business because they got the free knowledge and know how to do it and uh and that's uh i would think is is changing the way that or will ultimately change the way that other cpas have to be as far as guarding their knowledge versus being more open um the other way is typically most cpa CPA firms operate on a billable hour charging situation. And we, with the exception of maybe 5% of our work, try to totally do away with that and do it all priced up front where we're communicating that up front um, so that you don't think that you're going in for the accounting equivalent of an oil change and you get the accounting invoice equivalent of a transmission change on your vehicle. Uh, and so that's an evolution that we're trying to figure out and, and work through. Um, but that's, that, that's how you go from being someone who fills out the forms to being an advisor because they're not worried about the clock ticking every time they pick up the phone. So those would be the two ways that immediately come to mind. What drives you? 
like really, really drives you. We talked about the significance a little bit. Yeah. But I want to learn That's more. a great question that I'm asked. I ask all of my interviewees and actually don't, haven't really thought the answer myself whenever we're hiring someone. Um, so yes, I would say the significance, I would say it, doing what I love uh, drives me probably more than most things. And then of course, um, I've got a wife and two little kids that are just awesome. And of course, my, I would, my, my dad provided an awesome life for us and was always coaching like our little league soccer games, even though he was running a business. And so I want to make sure that I provide that and then some and layer on and level up the, the next generation and do that for my kids and, and my wife too. So, um, but yeah, so definitely my family, big on family and enjoying the people I work with and the work that I do. And then, of course, wanting to make an impact on as many lives as possible. You mentioned before connection. Mm-hmm. And I love that word. That's like one of my favorite words ever. And I think it's so important in so many facets of life for mm-hmm. many different layers. So I'm interested in learning. What is your philosophy on developing deep meaningful and genuine connection with another person? Uh, I think that, so what I think is, is correct. Isn't something I always do, but it's distraction free conversation, like just actual one-on-one conversation where you're listening. You don't have the phone on in front of you and you just find out how they're doing, what they need. And, and the thing that I need to work on the most, not, interrupting them because I get so excited about what they're talking about that I'll jump in and finish their sentence. Um, but when I don't do that, I think I connect a lot better. Uh, but I really think just having those one-on-one conversations and that, that goes for at home, you know, having, you know, I do like daddy daughter donut dates where we go, I go take my daughter out to the coffee shop, get some donuts and, and we just hang out and she's four. So we're just talking. Um, and then also being a leader at a company, we have, we have mandatory weekly one-on-one meetings with whoever you're reporting to or, you know, sub- managing, uh, and those have been hugely impactful on our business and in connecting and finding out what makes each person tick, um, and, and where we can help them grow. When do you feel most connected to other people? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I think same answer when I'm, when I'm chatting with them. Um, I, I like being on stage. So when I'm, when I'm, you know, giving a talk or, and getting good questions and good feedback from the audience, that's a super connection moment. Um, and, and then, um, just when I'm, like working together on something that's a challenge is, is a big connection moment too. Whether that's at home when my wife and I are struggling to figure out like what to do with the kids, like, you know, comes home sad from preschool or, you know, baby won't sleep. You know, that's a connection moment, even though there's struggle through it. I think the same at work with, you know, with our rapid growth, of course, there's challenges of a company at four people. looks a lot different than a company at 20 people. And so figuring all that out and working that together and the people that have been there through that ride 
is you know uh, you know very connected with so i think through that struggle you get connection and you know working together through it let's talk about your evolution as a business owner and a person at the same time going from you know being the creative to then being the one being the cpa and then having to grind out that time mm-hmm. and then partnering with your dad yeah and now y'all are experiencing lightning fast growth yeah how has your leadership style evolved over time um that's i would say over time I mean, before i before the you know as it's quote the creative i had no concept of really organizational structure from in a small business standpoint. I did uh, something that was really interesting that I learned when I, I did the Walt Disney World college program. I did a semester at uh, uh, Disney World as a lifeguard. And I, I remember thinking that the higher up you got in an organization, the less you actually did, but the more responsibility you had. Uh, and I think that's been an interesting challenge because when you're at the the bottom where you're cranking out tax returns, if you're doing six tax returns a day, it's easy to check the box on, okay, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that. As you're at the top and you're delegating all that stuff, feeling like you have a productive day is more squishy. It's like, you know, it's more, how are the pieces all moving together? How is Johnny doing over there? What's, you know, what's his workload? Not, not even workload anymore because we have managers for that, but how, how are these pieces flowing together? How's the organization fitting together? And so that's, that's harder to just go check the box, check the box, check the box. And so that was a, a challenging transition uh, in wanting to sometimes go back in and do the work just to get those check boxes done, you know? And so, um, I, and I still, you know, we're not so big that I'm not doing any of the accounting work, but doing a lot less of it now. And so having to even when it might be easy to jump in to, to quote, to help them, you're actually not helping them because they need to grow. And, and, and uh, so that, that was a challenging transition. That is fascinating. So as you're getting bigger and bigger and you have more people in order to handle like the day-to-day operations and actually deploying the service, the, the product, your responsibility grows, but like your specific tasks shrink. Right. Is that kind of what I'm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're starting, you're inputting every bank transaction when you're doing the bookkeeping and then you're plugging in each number into a box when you're doing the tax return. And then you go to where you're just kind of over overseeing it and looking at it to make sure it looks right. And, and you know, doing the deep detailed technical review of it to make sure there's no errors. And then now it's more just, okay, we've got people who know how to do that. So now it's just a quick high level. So I know what's going on when I'm talking with the client. And so uh, the actual nuts and bolts is less and less of what I do, but I've got to be, um, Jocko Willink talks about this in, in uh, extreme ownership of if everyone's, if you're just head down and no one's looking out where you're going, then you might be going in the wrong direction. And so now my job is a lot more of that, at least I try to make it more time on the head up. Where are we going? So that I've got a pulse on the potential threats in the industry or, you know, where we should move, what services clients are adding, doing a lot of polls within my Instagram audience. Now that I have an audience of 50,000 business owners to say, what do you want from a CPA? What aren't you getting? 
so that we can, you know, steer the ship in the right direction. And so that is where the transition of my time is going to now. That's fascinating. So it's less in the weeds and it's more like higher level. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out where we get, where we're going. Let's make sure that the people who do have their head down, that they're going in the right direction. Right. It seems like you're more steering the ship. Yeah. And, and then of course, as you grow, the more families you're responsible to feed. Right. I mean, you've got, cause it's not just your employees, they've got kids and spouses and, you know, so it's a, it, it becomes definitely a bigger responsibility, but then also even at the, the management level, you do, you do less of the nitty gritty work, but you've got to, you have more responsibility that all of it's getting out the door. And so, so at every level you kind of do less, but are responsible for more, even though you're still working, it's still all work, but it just, it's less like, like check the box done type of work. How do you see that responsibility and like, like the responsibility and the tasks, how do you see those evolving for you as you move forward? Like, where do you ultimately want to be? What do you ultimately want to ultimately want to be doing with your time? Yeah. So ultimately I want to have the proper team in place that I'm only looking at a tax return to have a, an informed conversation about a client that all the technical work is done by the team so that my time is spent servicing our, our clients. And I, and even, even then having a team that can also service the clients better than me uh, so that I'm focused on growing our audience and our potential pool of, of lead, of candidates and, and, you know, and fans of measured results, getting the right people on the bus, in the right seats. Uh, so, you know, building brand, getting a massive, a good pipeline of, of excellent team members as candidates, and then um, making sure that we're offering and meeting our clients where they want to be met. Over this, this journey, seems like it's been quite a journey thus far. How have you changed as a person? How have you been impacted? as an individual? Uh, I think that, and I think this is true of anyone who ultimately becomes a a boss is that you, you realize why, you know, when you had bosses and you weren't sure their decisions that they're, they probably had a reason for them. So when you're in the other side of the, you know, on the other side of the the coin um, it's a different perspective. So definitely a shift in perspective. Um, and then I think just trying to figure out how to put the needs of others or to, to fill the needs of others and be more empathetic. Um, not that I was some, you know, jerk not listening to anybody but it's just you know you've got all these people and all these moving parts and different personalities and so figuring out how to help everyone get along and row in the same direction um i've definitely had to grow into that and i remember when we first started going from four we jumped from four people to like 10 uh, almost overnight it seemed like and i i like woke up one one day and was like i need to figure out how to manage people 
this is like chaos right now. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I don't think anyone knows what they're doing with management, you know, when they're first starting and even 20 years in, cause people are crazy. Um, but so I just was like, okay, let me buy all the books on management I can find, read them all. And so it was just figuring out how to manage people and grow in, and, you know, have the, the weekly, weekly one-on-ones and have a, a system for communicating well uh, versus just being all over the place. It's still a little all over the place, but trying to you know, get less and less all over the place. I love what you said about like most people when they first start, they have zero clue how to actually manage people. Yeah. I remember a couple of years back now, I'm, I'm 24, mm-hmm. but I started my first business when I was 20 as a sophomore in college. And wow. by the time I was almost 21, um, I had my social media marketing company up and running, mm-hmm. actually generating revenue, which was awesome. That yeah. was so cool, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, okay, I figured out how to make some money. Now, all I need to do is just rapidly scale my team and then then we'll take over the world, right? Like that's what I thought. So I went from working with one individual, like Mm -hmm. just in this other other, uh, gentleman to having a team of eight people all at the same time. And keep in mind, I'm still like 2021. Yeah. And that failed so miserably, so quickly. Like it was literally like an implosion, the business. It was insane. And I learned so (laughs) much from that. Yeah. But you're so right. Like really learning how to work with people and to manage people and to lead people Mm -hmm. is so critical. Yeah. And it takes time. It just takes, there's a, so I don't know if you if you heard of Andy Fursella. He's big online. Uh, he's a business business owner, built a nine figure business. Uh, he has a really good topic on it or a you know, thing on it where he says talks about a cake recipe. If you've got the the recipe for the best cake in the world, and you put it, all the you know it's like certified best cake in the world. You get all the ingredients, put them all together, mix it up, stick it in the oven, and the recipe says bake it at three fifty for forty minutes. Well, and you think, well, I'm just going to turn it up to 700 degrees and bake it for 20 minutes because I want it done faster. You're going to get a burnt cake and it's going to be flat and nasty. And that's the same thing with trying to scale too fast is it takes, you know, it takes time to build those. Cause if you throw eight people at it, you know, overnight and haven't built up those skills, it's just going to be that floppy burnt cake. It's going to be a disaster. And so that, um, so try and play and catch up on the, the rapid growth of servicing more clients and also managing more people was an interesting learning curve for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I will say, and I'd be interested to get, to get your perspective on this, but I found that now that I've been rebuilding my team uh-huh. and I have four people who work with me remotely, uh-huh. um, I found that if I'm, if I really expect myself to be able to manage properly and to lead properly, like I have to have systems and processes, very detailed, very specific of like, okay, this is what I need y'all to do. Mm-hmm. This is what, this is like the quality that I expect. Here's an example. Here's a video. Here's like very specific, like everything's laid out and organized. And mm-hmm. then everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. They know what everybody else is supposed to be doing. And it's very clear. Mm-hmm that's what I've noticed has been a huge game changer. And instead of having to like solve problems all the time, 
I can just tweak and adjust the system. Yeah. And then they have like a strong framework to work from. For sure. Yeah, that was something that we learned uh, a couple years ago. So we have an uh, offshore team in the Philippines. They're like our dedicated team over there. Uh, and they're excellent at following orders. So you find out if your system's broken, they'll follow it even if it's wrong. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that really exposed some interesting like areas of improvement and growth for us to make sure that we've got our systems documented and, uh, and, and it, it was work getting that, that working, but then, you know, now it's going great for us, but it really exposed areas that we had. Cause when it, again, just four of you, you can just walk down the hall and that's the person who does all the work. And then you talk to the client, you know, and it's just, and so there doesn't need to flow through an organization, whereas now it needs to flow through an organization. And so you've got to have those documented systems and procedures for sure. You talked about water a couple of times and I believe you mentioned you play water polo in college. Yep. Why, where'd your love of water come from? Why do you like being in water? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I was in the water a lot though. And when I was in high school and college, that's for sure. Um, I, it's funny. That's funny. You asked that. Cause I drink about a gallon and a half of water a day. So uh, I don't know. I've just, I've had a natural affinity to swimming and, you know, jumped in the water and learned to swim, I think two or three years old and um, was in the pool ever since and always grew up on the lake. And, and so um, just, and then I started swim team when I was eight and then found water polo when I was 12 and just absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, didn't like swimming cause it was boring and antisocial cause you're just chasing black lines with your head underwater for hours at a time but I kept swimming because it made me better at water polo, which is a lesson right there. Sometimes you got to do the things you don't want to do to get the rewards of the things you want to do. Um, but I just, I love the sport of water polo. It was just amazing and tons of fun. And, uh, and I was okay at it too and not too bad, but, um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I just enjoy water. So you love water. Yeah. It seems like you enjoyed the social part of water polo. Yeah, the and, teamwork part of it. You know, leading a team and being part of a team. How about the competition side of it? Are you competitive? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love competition. I'm try always trying to figure out how we can uh, implement some form of competition within the organization too. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely competitive always grew up playing games and playing mario kart with my cousin who's three months older than i am so we're super close and every time we had family get-togethers which was almost weekly we'd always play video games and get super competitive with it even though it didn't matter at all uh and yeah so competition is definitely there for me it's part of that i think it's part of that significance factor of you know wanting to i didn't i didn't just want to play water polo i wanted to win a national championship and go to a school that had a chance at winning a national championship it didn't happen but still wanted to have that opportunity um, i remember when as a kid i wanted to be an astronaut i didn't want to just be an astronaut i wanted to be the first person to walk on mars so like wasn't enough to just be an astronaut which is already a super tiny perspective so um so comp that's, that's all, yeah, that's all competitiveness wanting to be the best at something, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, Mario Kart is important. And who wins is very <laughs> important. One of the most important things in the world. <laughs> who, is your, uh, who is your racer of choice? I would go between Yoshi and Donkey Kong. Ah, interesting. Why those two? So if depend, so Yoshi was super fast and nimble, and then Donkey Kong, if I wanted to just be a bruiser and knock people out of the way, so depending on the course, you know, uh, if it needed some more nimble racing or if it needed some more bruiser racing, that, was, that would be my picks. But more often, probably Yoshi. What other games did you like to play growing up? Uh, I, all the Zelda games I was a big fan of. Um, there was one that wasn't really a big game, but I played it a ton. It was Mission Impossible on Nintendo 64. Uh, Super, the Super Mario games. I was, I was probably more into Mario than I was Zelda. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog was a big one for me. So went through Sega phase and then Nintendo after that. Uh, a lot of GoldenEye, Halo. So those were the, uh, the big, long kind of quest games mostly so you love water you love games competitive dreamer significance family is very important to you clearly very creative and you're also a wizard with taxes what else what else am i missing what else don't don't i know about you i'm a pretty good cook i i i'm, I'm actually the chef of the family i i like to cook and uh uh, you know, get fancy with, of course, creative, you know, it's, it's another creative outlet, but um, I love just figuring out a new recipe and playing with it and tweaking it and making it my own. And, and um, whether it's barbecue or stovetop or, you know, uh, just, but just cook, making a big Epic meal. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your greatest theory? My greatest theory. Hmm. Um, hmm. Just about life or in general? Yeah. Whatever, whatever's your, uh, your greatest one. Yeah. So I think, um, and this isn't my own at all, but just the, the theory of it, to get you've got to give and give more and give without expectation and that is seeing bare like that's truly bearing reality for for what i've seen with like i on on social media and giving out free tax tips and i don't even ask people that hey if you want to become a client you know reach out it's just they do and so that and, but that was two to three years of doing it every day before I started even seeing any real traction, but, but, you know, giving it, giving out, you know, and trying to help coming at it from actually helping people. Same thing with the team, like giving my time to sit with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I really definitely like believe that that is true, that you, as long as you give without expectation, not a strings attached giving, because that doesn't count. It's like a negative in the bank account. Uh, definitely get you get more, you know, what you gave back and then some for sure. What do you want to leave behind as your legacy? Um, of course, 
you know, total financial freedom for my family for generations to come would be amazing. And then just when people hear the name Tyler McBroom, they think that that guy impacted a lot of people. So like I would say my legacy, something so, if I like, you know, we're out 60 years from now and I pass away that it's almost the same as that Mickey Mouse globe for Walt Disney, but maybe it would be a tax return with tears on it or something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens 60 years. <laughs> uh, it'd be the IRS celebrating because now that all their, their uh, business owners are going to have to pay more taxes, but no, and I don't even think my ultimate legacy is going to be tax related, but just that I made an impact on people through you know, wherever it was the journey of the next, however many years takes me, but that, you know, those messages that I get now saying that I started my business because of your content multiply a hundred thousand fold. When you think about character Mm -hmm. and, and depth of character, how do you truly measure that? To me, and actually I remember when I was getting out of grad school, I said to myself, I want to be known as someone who has excellent character. And so I, de- I had to define what that meant and uh, for myself. And to me, it is as, as simple as doing what you say you're going to do. So keeping promises to yourself and, and to others. So, you know, if, you say you're going to go to that event on Friday night and then Friday night comes and you don't want to go, you still go because you said you did. Uh, and so just, you know, being true to your word and that's not always easy uh, at all. Uh, but, and, but that, that would be my definition of, of character. I want to ask you a little bit about the content that you produce and mm-hmm the following that you've been able to build. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, I actually wrote about it in my, uh, in, in my journal this morning. Um, I want to talk about vulnerability. Okay. Specifically within, within that context. How much do you share? Like how, where's the line? Because yeah. you want to be transparent, but like, I'm sure there is a line. Maybe there's not, but I'm, I'm sure there is a line. How do you know how vulnerable to be with whom and at what time? Yeah. So uh, uh, a colleague of mine said it best, I think, is people, you can share your scars, not your open wounds. So if you're going through something that's like currently, Maybe don't don't share about it because people don't want to just hear a bunch of negativity and how life is. But if you've gone through something that was vulnerable to share about and gotten through it and have lessons that can help others from it, then absolutely. And those are vulnerable moments because you are admitting that you went through this weakness. Uh, but I think for me, while you're going through it, don't don't just complain because you know, then it gets it's a fine line between kind of complaining about your life versus, versus sharing your, you know, complaining and calling it vulnerability is, 
is a dangerous place to be. Uh, but so I think scars, not open wounds is, is how I kind of try to share it. That is profound. I've never thought about it that way. And, and that's brilliant because if there's scars, like clearly you have made it past that. Yeah. So then you can share not only like what happened during like the hard part, the vulnerable part, but then you can actually provide value to tell people like how to get out of that or how to, how to move forward in that. That is interesting. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't take credit for it, (laughs) but, but I read it and I liked it. And I said, that's what I'm, how I'm going to go with it. That's awesome. So Tyler, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I have two more questions for you. Then we'll wrap it on up. First is, is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that we did not talk about today? In other words, what did I miss? Um, I guess we kind of touched on it with the water polo thing, but just, uh, the priority of health and fitness for entrepreneurs. Uh, I went through a period when I had little kids and was just becoming a business owner and uh, woke up one day and realized I was 30 pounds heavier than I wanted to be and that I should have been. And so hired a trainer, got on a fitness program and dropped those you know 30 pounds within a few months and have maintained that. But just, um, making sure that through the growth and the grind that you still make health a priority, because if you don't have that, then you don't have anything. Uh, and so something about me is that I, I, even during tax season, which is when it's crazy, try to make sure that I'm working out at least a couple times a week. Um, I go ebbs and flows on eating super healthy, but you know, always try to, you know, maintain a reasonably healthy diet. And, and so that would be, I would say something that maybe we didn't cover that, I would, would share. What question should I be asking you specifically me asking specifically you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Hmm. I don't know. That is, uh, you asked some good questions. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have an answer on that one. <laughs> it might come to me, but I'm not sure. Well, l- let me, let me maybe rephrase it then. Okay. If you could give advice to somebody who's 24. Okay. Right now what would that advice be? What are some of the most important things? There we go. Um, I would say that I'm trying to recollect my, I had a a conversation about that exactly with uh, a 24 year old employee of mine about nine months ago. Um, I would say for me, if I'm just looking back at 24 I went and got a bunch of student loan debt going back to grad school and I didn't, I could have done it other ways. Um, 
you know, taking night classes while I worked instead of going back full in. Um, uh, so I would say it, number one, it's never too late to pivot like I did with, with, uh, going from writing books to writing tax returns. Uh, and, um, Number two, figure out ways to do it as smart financially as possible uh, because the resource, if you get creative enough, there, it's out, you know, the resources are out there to figure it out. Uh, and, and that if you're not careful, that can create a negative financial spiral that would, that'll, you know, stay with you for a long time. Uh, and so not against education, but just make sure you're not doing it in a financially irresponsible way. And then, um, that I would say to some extent, passion is overrated when it comes to how you earn your income, um, that you can have passion on the side and find find ways to um, find the things that give you passion within the job that might not seem like it's your passion. So the creative, so like as an example, as an accountant, finding the ways to be in, you know, have a creative outlet through that. Um, If you've got to take a job that isn't your pat, you know, and if it's, if it's your passion, then you'll do it on the side anyways. Um, but trying to find elements of what you're passionate about within something that is going to help you build an actual like fortune and legacy. And then if, if you truly don't have something that's going to build that fortune and legacy, um, that is that you have interest in, then do something that, that you don't like as much and intensely as, as fast as possible so that you can then have freedom to go do the things that you're actually passionate about. Well, Tyler, thank you again so, so much for coming on the show today um, and sharing everything that you have and, and sharing this time with me. It's, it's been very yeah. special and I want to thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And to everybody who's watching, listening, I want to thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart. Y'all are the other reason that I do this and I know how valuable your time is and I'm very appreciative that you would share it with us. So thank you so much and I will see y'all on the next episode.